Hi there, my name is Kate McKenzie and welcome to my podcast. Today I am introducing you to the wonderful Karen Diamond, who is a director and owner of Model Swan, which is the longest running models agency in the UK. And she's talking about the evolving changes and changing values in modelling and the diversifying of modelling since the Me Too movement and the Black Lives Matter movement. Just to uh, let you know, uh, she was with her lovely puppy dog, Otis, who's very young, and Otis is uh, moving moving around and barking through this interview, so apologies for that. And... um, we did our best to take uh, to take as many of the barks out as we could, but there still are some barks in. So I hope you can you can uh, still enjoy the interview. Karen is so interesting, and she talks all about how she's had to grow and change and manage all kinds of situations which really weren't easy. The development of the BFMA and the Wellbeing Collective, which looks after the nutrition, counselling advice, accounting advice, all kinds of advice for models. Because what she's hoping is that modelling can be a sustainable career for young people and that they can actually find some safety and security out of that career. Modelling has changed very, very much. Um, And now she has um, a section for older models where people want older models who actually have wrinkles. They want people who look like people. They want actually younger models who've got freckles or gappy teeth or... um, look real. So people are longing for different things nowadays out of modelling. That was also very interesting. Um, But also, I think what you'll find is it's just so interesting to listen to Karen. She's so humble. She's so grounded. She's very real. And it's, it's, it's also a reflection of the era that we're in. You know, she said that, you know, no model, it's unheard of for a model to not turn up for a job. And if you listen to my other interview with Jose, you'll hear that in the 60s, people regularly didn't turn up for work. So it's a very different time, very different era. And um, I think it was a really interesting interview and I hope that you find it interesting too. And I hope you can tune in for this and more. Thanks. So thanks so much, Karen, for chatting to me. Um, It gave me um, a lovely opportunity to look up Models 1, look up you, look at what's going on. And oh my goodness gracious, it was was pretty exciting looking at all your different models, your influencers with their fabulous videos, you know, um, the, the Miles King video on the Dandy and Johannes Hubel on New York and Billy Huxley talking about just being a, a person. I mean, I just picked out, I picked out all these young men, very exciting. And then you've got also really noticeably, and maybe you'll tell me this is different, but lots of very different looking models and black models with very black skin, which maybe that's been around for some time now, but there was a time when people would choose black models, but they would be the, the lighter colored models. So I'm just wondering, maybe we could start with, where do you see modeling is at? I mean, it just seems like so many changes, so. That you bring up though about um, a, a black model with very black skin because that was that was a Jose, that was models one. I mean, Alec Weck was oh, the yes. really, African looking black model. And when you, yeah, you sort of Beverly Johnson and Iman, um, you know, were amazing black models, but they they still looked, they were quite North African, I suppose, rather than sort of sub-Saharan, I guess. Yeah. So it was really, it was really striking how, you know, obviously glamorous your website is, but also how uh diverse it looks maybe like you said maybe it always was which is really an interesting thing no it wasn't definitely I mean there was definitely a huge shift last year after Black Lives Matter no Black Lives Matter was definitely a a shift I think there were um that it was still that sort of the money the girl that the the there were more Asian models coming through, obviously as China rose in power as such, there were definitely more Asian models coming through because they wanted to see Chinese models. They didn't want to see Western European American models. They wanted to see Chinese models. 
Um, and brands were buying into that. You're kind of, you know, your high level Louis Vuittons and Saint Laurent's and people like that were totally buying into that. And all the big beauty brands would do their sort of, there would be their blonde model, there would be their Hispanic looking model, there would be the black model, there would be the Asian model. You know, they kind of were making sure that they were speaking to, to all the, the demographics. Um, but what Black Lives Matter did was, so, and those, sorry, those models were also doing very well for shows um, and editorial, but they weren't necessarily, you know, being booked for really the campaigns that paid very handsomely, you know, because a lot of those very high profile campaigns, especially on the fashion side, don't, the girls don't get paid huge money because it, a bit like Vogue, it's kind of, you know, to do... Yeah on to do Chanel it's working with an amazing photographer and it's an amazing brand and the money therefore is not huge you know it's your more commercial brands it's your sort of your gaps and your Marks and Spencers and people like that that are paying the bigger money um, and I think that that what Black Lives Matter did was really make that those mainstream mainstream commercial brands wake up to we have to diversify um, got it and, and uh, yeah, and, so become normalized. I mean, to be honest, if you look at Christmas TV commercials in this country anyway, it's almost gone so far the other way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just a bit of a knee jerk, I suppose. And I guess the pendulum will kind of settle into a, a normality. And I hope it will be that you know the model gets the job because she's the right model for the job, not really what her ethnicity is. Yeah. So, but it, it's still interesting. It's still interesting for just to see even just all, like you said, maybe it's not so many changes, but it does look like change. And it's interesting to see that come up and look on your website. And the other thing that was very interesting was all your influencers, all these influencers with their videos. And so you're, you're getting this uh, personality, you know, which I know Models One started with the th three models, you know, that, that were actual personalities. That's how the... Models one got birthed, was yeah. got birthed with these models who were kind of extraordinary beings. But it, just looking at what you you're doing now is you can watch these videos and these all these people with all their ideas and brilliant videos. And I don't know how does that work? With do you book their modelling? Do you book them their video gigs? How does it work? Again, it's sort of it's it's evolved. That evolved. I mean, not all of the models have that like the rest of us you know have that in them to create content yeah they've got to be interested they've got to want to do it because yeah. it's difficult to do it and you're up against influencer influencers if that's what they do all day long yeah and it's a lot of a lot of work to create that content um so there is a handful of them that that do and they've done you know very well so you know both billy and Johan for example, Billy Huxley and Johannes Weibel were both regular models who have embraced that side of, of things and, and really run with it and made themselves, um, I suppose, you know, experts. You know, Johannes is sort of, you know, a very stylish straight man, which there aren't many. Most very, very stylish gays do happen to, uh, guys happen to be gay. You know what I mean? And so... I think in a way similar to a David Beckham, you know, that's what makes him so successful or a David Gandhi because they're straight guys, but they're very stylish. Um, Billy obviously, you know, really built on that tattooed beardy thing when it was a thing. Um, and he was, you know, the first model that looked like that. So he definitely became a sort of a cultural icon. And it was around the time of Instagram, really, the fashion industry really buying into Instagram, which is still, you know, for, for social media platforms, Instagram is definitely the one that the industry um, relies on most. And from a model's perspective, I don't expect them all to be influencers, but they do, they do need to have really an Instagram platform um, because that's where clients want to see their personality. They want to see what they're buying into. And I think that almost came out of the fact that portfolios became almost homogenized because there was so much retouching. You didn't really know what the model looked like, you know? So it's, 
I mean, they look could look so different in different images, which they always used to, but pre-retouching, that was down to the skill and creativity of the team. Um, because you knew that's what the model looked like, even if the makeup was more dramatic or the hair was this, but that was actually what the model looked like. But with digital retouching, who knows what the model actually looks like because so much was being done in post-production. And again, I think we've slightly come back from those extremes because I think the public have spoken. Again, that's something that social media has given, is given the public a voice to say, I don't like that, or I don't know what that person looks like, or I don't relate to that person because who knows, you know, but that whole perfection, perfection thing. Um, I do genuinely think that the public have spoken because another shift that I've really seen that again came from the Black Lives Matter movement was this general diversity. And what I'm being asked for now is older women who look like older women, not well, super well preserved because they've had Botox or fillers and they're actually 55, but could be 35 on a good day in the right light, that they're wanting to see women who've got lines. They want them to look fabulous, but they want to see that they've got gray hair, that they've got lines, but they are incredibly stylish older women. Um, <laughs> no, that's so interesting because, um, so are people, as well as wanting to see older models with wrinkles, are they wanting to see young people also look more real and less made up yes i mean i think i think we've had you know we're getting um you know freckles gappy teeth i mean they've still got to be beautiful but they yeah. don't have to be perfect so yeah. there's, there's beauty in all sorts they've still got to be photogenic there are still the same things that are required that's so interesting isn't it so there's these there's these shifts and these longings that, that kind of come in waves, different waves yeah. that come through. And what, what is interesting also is though that there is still an element of what still within the industry really works for a long career is a classic beauty. Do you it's sort of that still that slight chameleon that face that can be whatever somebody wants it to be when you, you think of someone like um like Cecilia Chancellor do you know what I mean the reason that her career has lasted as long as it has is because she's a real classic beauty yeah. uh, that will always be really what the industry for longevity somebody can have a moment and do very well with that moment. But in a way, I would say, you know, what, what makes a really successful model, and when you think of all of those girls that have been, you know, we think of as supermodels, they, their, their look is very versatile. You look at the different haircuts that Linda Evangelista and Kate Moss and these people have had over the years. They've colored their hair, they've cut their hair. It's, it's not a, a one trick pony, it's a one or a one look. They can, they can become whatever the creative idea is for that particular shoot. Mm. And a particularly uh, striking feature, you can't be that chameleon. You've always got, got it. sort of one look. Got it. Yeah. So, so like Yasmin Lebon as well, and, and various other models that you've, you've had they're able to to move yeah and, and is that also their personality because I know like modeling is, is quite yeah. yeah I mean you know I have worked with incredibly beautiful models that just don't have a particularly sparkly personality and they're not successful ultimately the team have got to want to spend the day with that person yeah and you can and if you you know, if you're if you're not interested in this industry, and and there have been times certainly where I, I would suggest when um, maybe you know maybe around the time actually in the nineties when the Berlin Wall came down and those communist countries opened up, and I think there were you know modelling was perceived to be um, a, a, a good earner, and I would say there were lots of young women 
kind of shipped out to be models. They were tall and slim and they were miserable. They didn't want to do it. They were homesick. They were, you know, being packed off. And it's sort of like, that's not, you've got to want to do this. And though they were not successful, not, not saying they weren't all unsuccessful, but lots weren't because they were genuinely not interested. It was literally a paycheck you know, and you've, you've got to be part of the process. You've got to want to be part of the magic. You've got to want to turn up. And even if it's a commercial job and the clothes are hideous, you've got to kind of work with the team to create the magic because that's what you're all being paid for. Mm. Um, you know, obviously what you want to do is to be shooting for Vogue with incredible clothes. But even on, as I say, on those jobs where the clothes are more challenging, that's what you're there for. You're being paid to, to create magic and sell that magic. Um, and so you've got to be inspired and be part of the process um so the personality is massively important you know nobody wants to hear a model saying she's tired that she's cold you know because the photographer's in every shot the model isn't necessarily there might be two or three models can you tell early on uh, um, their motivation yeah, personality is yes yes i'm well not not always but i think there are some some young girls because we scout these people young um some of them kind of don't know what else to do so we you know they, they've done a bit of part-time modeling while they're at school and they've decided that that's their their option you know they're going to model and it's like well it might not work out like that so you've got to have a plan b maybe a plan c as well you know there's no it's not a given that just because we scouted you at 15 by the time you're 18 we'll give it a go but it doesn't mean that it's you know and I think some of them think that it's easy. And then the, because also while they're still at school, we only contact them when we've got something really interesting, you know, so they, they and then they go back to school and they sort of forget about modeling. And they don't really notice that there might be two or three months in between potential jobs. And then they're full time and they realize it's a bit of a grind and they've got to work hard because also, you know, the way that people will, will give you, um, a bit of extra slack when you're a new face when you're then up and running and you're full-time it's very competitive you're not just competing with every other model in the UK you're competing internationally um and yeah you know it's down to the you know the agency opens the doors but the model's got to walk through that door and what happens once he or she's walked through the door is absolutely down to them they've got with the client or the photographer um, and I've also worked with models who, when you look at them, that you think they're really quite plain, but they're obviously a really good model and they, photographers love them and clients love them and they work the magic in front of the camera, something happens um, and it works. Everything sort of comes together and it works. And, and that, you know, they can be equally surprising as the really what you think is a dead cert that is nothing going on behind the eyes you know that, that hasn't and, and the, the difficulty as well we do you know we scout these kids young and so often they sort of get it when they're about 24 25 in a way I would love to say sure let's not let's not scout anyone under the age of 21 I mean what do any of us know at 16 17 that's right yeah. <laughs> that's right and 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 have you ever thought that I mean obviously it's tricky because that's who you're spotting and that's teenagers yeah. are on the street but have you ever thought that that you really want to start them at 21 yeah I mean it's you know I can't change the world but I think for most of us it's kind of again when they decide to go to you know mostly they do their a-levels or full-time education whatever that might be and so they start at 18 which is great because back in the day it was quite normal to start at 15 or 16 you know to do o-levels and then then go into modeling full-time that doesn't happen so much these days so at least we've got a little bit and there are lots of clients that don't want to work with under 18s. You know, there's been too much sort of negativity about young models and what have you. So they, they don't want to work with them. So again, that's great. That kind of gives us a little bit more ammo to kind of keep them on the back burner. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, if you think about how we all develop, it, it makes sense that you kind of get to 24, 25, and you're like, now I get it. Now I understand why they were nagging me about this and what telling me to do that. Mm -hmm. There's an element of being a teenager, I suppose, where you slightly push against what you perceive to be authority and you come from school and you're suddenly you're all grown up. And then there's these people telling me that I need to do this or I need to do that. And I should be going to the gym and I should be, and you know, let's say at 23, 24, they're like, ah, oh, now I get it. Yeah, I 
consistent. Yeah. I need to, this is my job, you know, my face and my figure is my job and it's my, my job to, to keep it consistent. You know, nobody wants a yo-yo if I don't know what, what she's going to look like from one month to the next. Yeah, totally. And Karen, when, when you were growing up, does this link with anything that you were, were you looking at magazines? Were you into fashion? Does that, it's, how did you, how did you grow up? Yeah. I, mean, I, did, I looked at, I, mean, I didn't buy Vogue, um, but I was in, you know, I bought the sort of the, the young women's magazines of the day, which was sort of 19 and over 21 or something like that, 21 and Honey magazine. Um, and I was, I was certainly interested in fashion. I mean, I grew up, here in talking and there wasn't much in the way of fashion shops <laughs> but so I would go to jumble sales that they were called in those days now they're called vintage but in those days it was jumble sales and sort of find something and put a look together to go out on a Saturday night so I suppose there was that element of interest and wanting something be a bit different um but I hadn't thought about I suppose I'd never really thought about how that image got on the page you know what I mean? I hadn't thought about what went behind that. So I did fall into the industry by accident. I basically got a job as a receptionist at a photographic studios in London. I'd sort of done a little bit of traveling and realized I needed a full-time, a proper job, time to get a proper job. Um, and, I, and I got that job through an employment agency. So I could have, you know, I could have been a receptionist in an insurance company, or it could have been a travel agent or something, because I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted a job. Who was the photographer? It was um, a place called Carlton Studios oh. by uh, a guy called David Green. Yeah. Whose brother is Michael Green and he had Carlton, do you remember Carlton Television? Yes. It was a, yes. a panel. Right. And so what and brought... Good friends yeah. with him. Right. And what brought you to Models One then? Sorry? What took you to Models One? What took you? So I was receptionist for six months and then I got the job as the um, model booker at the studio. So they had about eight and they did, um, I mean, some of it was, was uh, still live, but they also booked freelance photographers to do various shoots. They worked a lot with catalogs. So their big clients were GUS and K's. So twice a year, there would be this sort of frantic, because there was a real season for it, of different photographers all booking two or three models for each shoot so there was a full-time model booker so I had I got her job she actually left to go and work at models one the, my predecessor she was called Nor, Norna Norma or Nora I can't remember she didn't last very long um and so then I did the model booking for two years and so there I was talking to all of the agents so and then I went for lunch one day at models one and sort of never came back wow <laughs> Back the job offer. Wow. And that was 1988. So that was a very, very explosive time in modeling because, you know, Yasmin Lebon was in all those Duran Duran videos and um, Robert Palmer, 1987, Addicted to Love. She was never in a Duran Duran video. Oh, sorry. It was her friend, wasn't it? It was her. She was in View to a Kill, the one that was the Bond it, thing. It was her friend. I've forgotten who introduced yeah, her to right. Simon, wasn't it? Yeah. But so actually, no, Yasmin didn't. No, it wasn't yet. Right. But somehow I've, I've joined I've joined them all together for some reason. But would have been, you know, because you would, but she didn't. I mean, yeah. they did something a few years ago where they had, they pulled in the supermodels to almost be the band. And she was in that. I think it was Cindy and Claudia Schiffer and Naomi and Yasmin. And it might have been Helena Christensen. They were all being the band. Anyway. Oh. Of, of the band of Addicted to Love or another band? Or... There was a Duran Duran video. Oh, oh that's playing. brilliant. Yes, we're, we're, we're the band as such. Oh, that's brilliant. Video for yeah. so what... They had a cover and all stuff. Oh, so what was that like? Because the 80s was that, you know, video was really coming in strongly and um, Rachel Weiss was there at that time. You know, they were various maybe she wasn't well, she was there in yes. 87 but she, there were this there were there was all these yes. modeling was a big thing in the 80s models were big and yes. people knew who models were and models one models were, were very big what was that like when yes. you joined models one what was that like and learning from jose in april what was that like for you 
it was amazing because you suddenly, you know, I was suddenly in this world where, where, you know, I, I, I was talking to famous people. Yeah. <laughs> people that other people had heard of. Yeah. And, and so it, and it did feel very glamorous and very, you know, yeah, I really felt like I'd sort of up my game. Although I have to say, honestly, I, I always and still, okay, well, I don't, not so much now, not since turning 50, but there was always an element of imposter syndrome of like, I'm just Karen from Torquay. What do got I know? I don't know. Yeah, got it. But you, got it. 50, and you're like, well, we've managed this far. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, maybe that helped you. I don't know. Do you know, like, that you didn't have the specialness? Like you had the kind of feet on the groundness. I'm yes. wondering. Yeah, I think so. That grounded thing. And I think the thing is, it's important to to um. And I do think that that's you know I've I've watched agents over the years who are sort of in it for themselves. And I think to have a long career as an agent, you can't have an ego. And I think it was probably Jose that taught me that. That it was sort of you know the models the clients and models one are all actually more important than me or any one of us, as she would have said, uh, as, as individuals. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. that, and I've always been a great believer. It, it's a team, like yeah. to amazing images. It, it's a team of people, you know, it's, yeah. it's the photographer and the stylist and the hair and the makeup and the model and that, that makes, that makes the magic. Totally. And I think that within, it's never one agent that makes everything happen um, because we all have different skill sets and we all connect with different people in different ways. And, um, and I think that's part of Models One success as well. It's always very much been a, been a team and not about sort of, you know, one Uber agent that sort of everything has to sort of revolve around. Wow, that's to your credit. That's to your credit, Karen. And, and you know, obviously you've, it's changed and changed and changed. And so how have you maintained that unicity, you know, that kind of unifying with your, 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 you know, from receptionist to bookers to models to how have you, because, you know, it's, it's grown in so many ways and changed in so many ways. And it, yeah. it's uber glam. When you look at the website, you know, it's uber glam. So how do you keep that unicity? You know, because that is, it's all based on relationships, like you said, but yeah. how do you keep that? going well i mean it, it evolves and it changes you know yeah. leave um and at the time you might be oh, what are we gonna do panic 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 but it's yeah. also been through um you know jose is more angry about it than i am <laughs> but the worst thing that i think could have happened which was when ellis and tori left and yes and they're you know they but they did that for their own reasons they didn't do it because they hated me and i know don't feel like it was particularly personal there might have been some end result that was personal but it sort of you know yeah. they did for them and and about you know 10 of the top models went with them yeah was one survived you know and we're fine how did you how did you manage that because obviously you you've managed it brilliantly because look where you are but at the how do you manage such a big experience and obviously we learn from all our experiences but how how did you how did you grow through that? Well, it was, I mean, I think I, I, my, my business partners were very supportive. And, um, you know, you, the, the good thing was, in a way, was those models actually looked great on paper, but they, were, they weren't working that much in the UK. So we were not making huge amounts. Of, we weren't, as a business, relying on them. They were right. great at the shop window. Yeah. But we, you know, the, the models that are really great, solid workers that people might not, they probably recognize their faces, but they might not know their names. You know, that, that's who pays our bills. And that, that's who pays any model agency's bills. Those girls that work week in, week out. You know, the, the, the others are, as I say, they're a cherry on the top and that's amazing. Yeah, so in a way, like you, you, so, for, you formed and formed. Yeah, from, so from, from a business perspective, as in, you know, our billing, it wasn't disastrous. Image-wise, it was not great, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
And it took us quite a long time to sort of rebuild that image. And and to be and that I will be honest, that is not my skill set. You know, yeah. I'm very practical. I yeah. can yeah. a great contract, but I'm not the the. I think purely from being there as long as I have, I'm the face of models one, if you like. But I'm not a Jose. I got I'm it. Sorry. You know, they're very um, sociable, networky. Yeah. That's not me. I'm the reliable one. I'm the one. So, yeah, I've, I've needed to bring people on board who are more like that. Got it. It makes so much sense. And 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 Karen, what, what did your parents do? I mean, did they, did, were they connected in any way to what you're doing now? No, no not at all. No. I mean, my, um, my, father was not around from from a, a fairly young age and then actually died when I was 14 Aww. so um but my mom remarried and they had a sailing school growing up by the sea taught people to sail um and then also had you know holiday accommodation so like holiday flats and, and what have you so that's what they did so nothing to do with this industry at all no but business sense yes uh-huh yeah so did you grow up working in their business? Did you grow up helping? No. I worked in hotels. So I chambermaid, waitress. I, yeah. So in a way, you know about what works, what doesn't work. You know about people's personalities. You know, when you're in the service industry, you see all yeah. that. And you kind of have a good sense of, in a way, what's real and not real in that sense. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And, and, you know... Obviously, you've had to grow and change and grow and change. And I don't know, you know, also the BMA has turned into turned into the um, BFMA now. And it has loads of kind of ethics. And there's like really interesting. I had a look at that as well. And you're also doing this stuff with, with the, the well-being, the Be Well Collective. So there's loads of stuff. I wondered if you could speak to that about real care of models now. It just seems like there's lots of looking out now for also the agencies, also everybody. Yeah, I, mean, but... I think that the, I think we sort of, we had to up our game because I think, you know, the AMA as it was, which was the Association of Model Agents was good because all the reputable agencies were signed up to them. And there was a certain sort of um, amount of, you know, there were certain sort of criteria that we all adhered to. Um, but we, you know, we, we got investigated for alleged price fixing by the CMA um, and, you know, they, whatever, when we, the, the people who were on the, the council of the AMA, um, which was ourselves and Storm and Premier and uh, FM and somebody, and Viva, all got these huge fines because we had communicated with each other about what they call it is sharing financial information basically so if a if a client phoned up and had a casting and we thought the money was not good enough we would warn each other to be aware of it um which is not allowed right right Whereas right. we were trying you know this was always trying to do the best for the model it wasn't sort of let's all gang up and, and agree what we're going to charge it's just be aware that what they're offering isn't you know just look at it Anyway, it doesn't matter. That was then. So then the BFMA had to sort of slightly reinvent itself. So we, which we did and, uh, or has been done. And we're now under the umbrella of the British Fashion Council and with Be Well. And it, you know, it really is just being a bit more public about the good work that we do, because I think people think that model agents are sort of, you know, down there with politicians and estate agents, basically the lowest form of life. And so it's just showing that we do care. And also for the models, especially working with Be Well, it gives them someone they can talk to that's not their agent because the, the feedback was definitely sort of, I don't want to share my problems with my agent because then my agent will think I don't want to work or I can't work or whatever. So it was important that they have somewhere to talk. And of course that was also, you know, slightly in, in reaction and relation to the Me Too campaign, you know, our industry, for sure have suffered interestingly the ones that have come to light have been more about gay photographers and boys 
rather than predatory heterosexual photographers. Um, but of course, there are those as well. Um, I think I think that possibly the girls are certainly with good agencies and the way we do with our new faces is we we educate them from the very beginning and say, you know, you have a voice, you know, we will never agree to you doing anything topless or nude or dyeing your hair or cutting your hair or anything without discussing that with you in advance and you saying yes you're comfortable or no you're not you know so so if you get on set and that is being asked of you you call me and I will deal with it so I with the girls we were very very clear about doing that and maybe less so with the boys or maybe I think boys struggle a little bit with modeling anyway as in you know they get teased probably by their friends and they don't like to say they don't know what's expected of them or not and I think with these you know predatory types are subtle you know they don't just sort of say to everyone drop your trousers you know they work out who is the vulnerable insecure one the one and it you know and it's just could you do this and could you do that and could you do that and before you know it you find yourself actually you have taken your shirt off and you have so you know they're, they're, they're clever these people so, um, yeah, it was just important to, to have somewhere for the models to be able to talk about these things in a confidential way. And the Be Well is amazing. I mean, they deal with health, nutrition, mental health, um, finances, you know, all sorts of things that we do try and cover off in our workshops, as you know, with, with what we do with our new faces. But I think that's, you know, that's a little snapshot in a way, what we do on that weekend. It's a snapshot. And then then obviously they, they start going with the business. But um, I think with Be Well, it's, it's always there and they, they can, you know, access that whenever they need to. So do they, how does it work? Could they get six counselling sessions and they can access it? Or how does it, how does it work if they wanted to ring someone up? Or? Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I mean, we kind of, point them in that direction and it means a charity they don't have to pay I don't oh, that's brilliant get or don't get I mean yeah it, it's it's run as a charity to be well so who funds it who funds it who funds Sarah, it as a charity yeah who started it Sarah Ann Macklin who yes is a model she's now with Models One she wasn't hasn't always been but she's recently signed with us um so yeah, I mean, she does organize a lot of fundraising and stuff like that. And they have various sort of fund. I mean, she's just done an amazing thing. It's like their Christmas sort of auction. And she's got incredible sort of money can't buy things that people were auctioning. It's great. So that's quite an extraordinary moment then in modeling, isn't it? Because like you said, I mean, on a literal level in women, their brains don't fully form till they're 25. And in young men, it can be 25 or 30, which, right. is, which is why, you know, um, places like New York they're trying to ban people making porn below 21 because they're they have they they literally aren't realizing what the consequences of what they're doing you know they haven't got that their brain hasn't fully yeah. come together so yeah. it's so amazing to hear that you I know because when you very lovingly put, brought me to come in and you were doing these Saturday workshops um with with skincare and exercise and uh, you know money advice accounting advice and you'd taken that from from Copenhagen and from Australia, how they were giving coaching to models, as I understand from your, your book of Hannah. And, um, and now this has grown, they actually have a resource called Be Well, Be Well Collective. And um, the BFMA, you know, has a whole load of ethics, which you can look up around. Uh, and I know you have a curve division as well. So there's another, there's another, can you tell me about a bit about your curve division? How long has that been around? Because that, that sounds like a change too. Yeah, I mean, obviously that has been what used to be called kind of plus size modeling yeah. for a long time. But I think that, I think really the, um, the growth of online shopping really, again, um, grew that area of the business because obviously this is an, a whole area of, of women who feel that they were underrepresented and they have a voice and they actually don't want to see their clothes on a size 12 or 14 model, yeah. which is kind of plus size modeling would start, you know, regular fashion models would be a dress size eight. And if you were a size 14, you were a plus size model. Um, 
but there's also from my perspective you know i don't want to promote an unhealthy image either so mm. you know, it's i'm very conscious of you know the women that we represent are very fit and healthy you know they go to the gym they're they are just larger you know they're sort of amazonian but it's is about health as, as much as anything um and yeah, and I, I felt, again, you know, on the back of, I mean, we've had the division for about seven or eight years, I think. Um, and again, on the back of, of, of what happened last year with Black Lives Matter, that diversity went to curb as well. And you're now seeing, you know, curve models on runways and in campaigns, and they're not really just the token curvy girl. I think they're being booked for themselves um, because they're the right model for the job and we're getting a lot more of what used to be kind of what I would have said was no man's land which is a dress size 10 12 because eight was fashion models and, and 14 was was curve models whereas we're actually specifically getting clients asking for that wow so so you're really a witness to the how you know we're all changing and all our values have been changing in the last few years but uh you're actually integrating these results of all the kind of world shifts they're just coming through and 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 changing. supply and demand and we're reflecting i suppose what's yeah. going on i mean some of yeah. them might have, might have been if you like ahead of the curve but you know it's reflect if, if nobody was booking them i wouldn't be representing them yeah 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 and it's, no. it's demand and you, you listen to what people are asking for and you know see we look at, at at our boards and we're like okay we've got a gap here you know we definitely need you know I need more Asian models in town you know I've got two two Chinese models who work all the time I need more um you know it's it's so you where your gaps are yes um, so interesting and I know you've got Amina Adnan who wears a hijab as well you've got so so, and how does that work? How does that work? Well, that's still, that's, I would say, fairly fledgling. I think we've got three or four girls who wear, wear the, the hijab. So this is the thing. How does it, you know, for you, there's all these significant changes. And like you said, you're ahead of the game with some and you're responding in others, but it's growing and changing uh, with all these all these ideas are kind of, in a way, creative, aren't they? You know, it, it actually sounds very creative how modeling and model swan's been changing and does that influence also how you are in the office or how the office and the team does that do these influences like how does it work you know because you've got a big team and you've got to work with people right next to you and you've all got to work together and um how does that work you know with with, well, with it's interesting actually because you you get to understand the people who are open to change right those that are sort of harking back to how it was yeah. you know oh well I did that shoot you know I worked with that client 10 years ago and they paid blah 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 it's like well they're not going to pay that today they yeah don't pay. they're not going to this is the budget and we've got to work out how to make it work or not but yeah harking back to how it was 10 or 15 years ago is pointless it doesn't yeah. matter yeah yeah, what yeah. 15 years ago maybe yeah. they've got the right model they'll pay more yeah um, so you want to be you want people who are open to change you know it's the, it's an ever evolving thing and the you know it's getting it's changing ever more because the way brands communicate with their customers and the way they use marketing is different you know they're not buying double page ads anymore you know they, they are some but that's not their main their main marketing you know their main marketing is is via Instagram or, you know, it's, it's sort of, they're getting right in people's faces on their phone. And that's also what, why, you know, the, there are, the industry has expanded because how you look on a screen that's sort of that big is very different to how you look in a glossy double page spread in, in a magazine, you know? So and the way that we, look at that image you know you look at that image on your phone for three seconds if that you know whereas a magazine you probably do look at it and you study it a little bit more so um you know we have to to move with those, those times as well and the fact that that's what i mean i think that for a, a really successful marketing campaign there's a there's elements of everything yeah. um 
but it, it is you know we, we have to be realistic about how how people are going to be using the images and and what works for that image which is why you say you were looking at the videos and things that they make the of the ones influencers. i mean that's so important because so much of that whether it's a video that that is used on a brand's website or whether it's a video that's going to go on their instagram you know thing reels or whatever it is it's sort of you know then a model who can look incredible in stills might not be able to perform the moving camera. Yeah. So it's so in, so in a way evolving. everything's evolving. Yeah. And you they need to be open. And your team, it sounds like you're the bookers as well. Everybody has to be moving and evolving and learning all at the same yes. time. Absolutely. And so do yeah. you do you you do your team do you I imagine you do you all get together and talk about how do we evolve and how do we change and how do we grow? Yes. I mean, you have these kind of organic conversations across the booking table, if you like, but there are, yeah, we try and have a sort of at least I would say quarterly where we kind of sit down together and have a real kind of brainstorm about, you know, who's working, who's not. Are we talking to this client? Why aren't we? Have we got the right models? And we're say that's when you look at your board and you're like, have we got gaps? You know, do we need to, what do we need that's different? Who are they booking that we don't have? So you have to kind of, yeah. Why are we not working with that client? Why haven't we got the models that they want? Yeah, and 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 also, do you do you? Because like it sounds like you've really got like a well-being thing that's happening, like really addressing so many areas. And does that feel like that influences the office as well, like your bookers and your receptionist and your? Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, I mean, we we try, you know, you can pay to do a job at the end of the day. You won't, you won't say that again, it's when? pay to do a job at the end of the day. That's right, that's right. Try and be very sort of understanding, but there are times I'm like, some people, I'm like, I think you spend more time out of the office than you do in the office. There's always some drama in their life. And it's like, yes. time with their dramas, you know? Yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, so how do you, yeah, exactly. So it's a balance. But it's a balance, exactly. And again, coming out of the pandemic or, you know, going through it, we recognise that actually, you know, being more flexible on working is, is good for people. So we now do four days in the office and one day working from home because you can get a lot of stuff done at home that you can't do it, like, as in work admin. Yeah. The office is open plan and you've got distractions and people are asking you questions and... And so it, it's actually that works very well and, and people, you know, respond to that. So, that, so that's, that's also quite interesting. The working environment's also been going through a change, not just yeah. not just all those other things with the models, but also with prior to having to work from home, I would have been quite resistant to that of like, you know, working from home, you're taking the mickey, you know, you're not working at all. Whereas the team actually were incredible when they had to work from home and everybody's work ethic was was phenomenal um so you know that really showed then and say we spoke to them when we were then able to come back into the office and asked everybody what they felt would be you know the right the right balance going forward and that's how we come up with Isn't one moment four days in it's interesting just because all these movements and changes are across the board it's it, it's your team it's home working it's models it's well-being and so you know i'm sure karen you're having to think, you know, what's current and then what's the future? So, you know, what's your future? What's what's the future, do you think? God knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really don't know. Yeah, of course. You know, it's not... I mean, what you, you try, but you just don't know. I mean, who would have known that that black man getting killed by the police would have led to that movement with which became so much bigger than that movement. Yeah. Um, had such a massive impact. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? There have been other people killed by the police before and since, but yeah. that was maybe because it was all in the middle of the pandemic as well. Yeah. It's just a sort of a perfect storm that came together and, and people were kind of, what is happening in this world? You know, yeah. maybe yeah. it is the bigger picture. Yeah. Yeah, so in some ways, like you said, you know, it, there could be more and more and more value changes 
and there'll be and because you're practical down to earth in some ways your background is really the key isn't it because you're able to respond to change or you have done you've had to but that yeah. maybe is why model one stayed so successful yeah i mean i felt when i took it took over from with the other two from from jose and april and dick that you know it was incredibly successful and my job was to steer this very successful oil tanker um <laughs> basically just not crash it you know what I mean because it, it yeah. was already there I didn't start it from scratch in a back bedroom I'm not that brave got uh, it you know Joe and April did and and actually Tori and Ellis did you know I I you know I took on something that was already very successful and I thank god I haven't messed it up on my watch you know maybe you know I didn't I didn't crash the tanker I didn't sink it yeah congratulations and I it's evolved and it's morphed and I but it still remained models one and I think the sort of the ethos of Jose in April is still very very strong at the agency yeah and what do you think that is what is that ethos I always felt they they wanted their models was longevity you know they were never flashing a pan and they yeah. and they did their models you know so it wasn't just a case of let's throw them at the wall see who sticks and we'll focus on those and doesn't matter about the rest of them you know, they genuinely believed in everybody that they represented. And it doesn't always work out for many reasons. You know, maybe the, the clients don't want that model or the model doesn't want to do it. But but you, you believe when you take them on, it's not just a sort of, oh, let's give it a punt. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. Don't, don't care what happens to that person. So, yes, the, but there's that. And I think, yeah, I think, and, they, and they're also very, um, you know, I've, I've had... moments where there are certain online brands that we don't get any work with and or very little work and I've looked at it and I look at the models that they book and I'm just like well I I don't get it so we can't we don't that's just a client we can't work with because well I don't I won't we're never going to represent the sort of models that they want most of the time um and that's fine you know there's a market there for it and other agencies have models like that and that's great but we don't so it's okay there are other clients we'll work with so you know it's sort of again knowing believing in what 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 I and the rest of the team think is is beautiful so or, in, in a way Karen you always responding to a client's desire because say there are certain brands that I say they're booking models that I don't understand so there's there's no point no there'd be no point me thinking there's an x amount of money to be made there so we need to represent models that look I wouldn't I've tried you know tried by sort of scouting the odd one and it's like and it doesn't work it's like because I don't get it got it so in a way it's staying true to you it's got creating it. careers that have longevity yeah. and it's keeping this ship afloat and 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 navigating the changes as 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 you have done really brilliantly with that kind of you know wonderful sort of touchstone of being so humble and and no and 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 so in a way what joe and april did by selling the company to myself and kathy at the time and john was you know they were selling it to agents and that's what our plan will be going forwards because i've seen it really successful model agencies get sold to business people who just like the idea of owning a model agency and they have no idea it's all about personal relationships and that's you know the only thing that holds a model to an agency is the team of people that look after them and if they go then the models go and it's like a house of cards that just all falls down I mean we haven't the models are our assets and you can't chain those to the agency. They only stay with the agency if they want to stay with the agency. Um, and so that's where I think they were smart. And that's why I would do the same going forwards. You know, it will be the next generation of agents that I, I would want to sell to. Yeah, it makes so much sense. It's longevity. It's working with what you can work with, not what you can't work with. It's adapting. It's, it's working with values as they change in society. And also making sure that your your agents are the people that you hand this on to, because uh, it's right, you know, other people, you've got to be bothered, haven't you? You've got to be bothered. Yes. And is yeah. there any is there anything that is uh, like passionate for you about certain aspects, like even change in the world or a charity or anything that, that relates in any way? Or is it this all of it's like part of the same? Do you know what I mean? 
So sometimes people have got like their thing that they've left their legacy and they've made those changes, which it sounds like you have done, you know, adapting to Black Lives Matter, adapting to well-being, adapting to getting models more knowledgeable, you know, being aware of which brands are going to take your models on and not, and in a way, knowing your own form. And, and I suppose there's a legacy that you're leaving in some way, even, even the fact that the BFMA is formed. Like you said, there was a, there was a case against you, but out of that has formed other things, you know? So there's been yeah. quite a lot of thought. It sounds like during your time, when Jose and April formed, they were like almost the only one till the eighties. There was, there was Lorraine Ashton's and there, yeah. was, there was other model agencies, but they didn't last as long. No. So until the eighties, they were kind of on their own in, the, in terms of the UK. Yeah. And now you've got many, no. but it's like, yeah, it's like you've had to form and you're forming your own legacy with, with the many and all of you forming so many different things. And so I suppose my question would be, what do you feel? Yeah. What's your legacy? What I would always, you know, what I always think with models as well is what I want is for them to, 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 I would, I love them to come out of the industry with some sort of financial security. If they is paid for, I think that's, they've had a really good career because for all of us, our rent or our mortgage is our biggest outgoing. So if they can own a London flat that is paid for, they, they've had a great career Yeah. Um, yeah. because then they can either live in it or rent it out. It gives them that security to be able to find security to go and do something else after modeling. Yeah. Yeah. So in some ways you're actually supporting all these people with their lives and doing it well yeah. and taking they care come of them. Out of it with, you know, whether they do it for two years or 20 years, that they come out of it having had a, a great experience and enjoyed it and known that they've been supported and looked after. Um, and it able to go on and then do other things because yeah. it's an amazing job if, if you love it, you know, yeah. and you, you are successful at it. Um, you work with incredible people. You get some amazing experiences, and but you have to work hard at it. it you know, it's not easy, and it's it's sort of not for the faint-hearted. And you know, also, um, Karen, that's the other that's the other thing is that um, you the, the the idea of helping people to actually make something work properly, so they're this is sustainable for them. It's yeah. really, really, it's really caring, and that's like that's the thing I get. It's kind of like mothership you know what I mean like making sure everything's cared for people are informed people are aware and it's yeah. not what it was in the 70s and 80s when when it's just much more business-like you know yeah. and I think and, and, and we are accountable yeah you know, it was almost like a sort of um I guess in the 70s and 80s it was otherworldly it was a tiny business that yeah. people were involved in um yeah. And there was some decent money to do, but the models weren't really making great money in, in those days. I mean, it, it became more business-like in the 90s, I think. And when it becomes more business-like, then it becomes accountable. You yes. know, are, Yeah, uh, very good point. Very good it, point. It's business. You know, yeah. there are contracts now. With You know, for every job I do, there's a contract, you know, so the model has got to turn, you know, everyone's accountable. Everyone's potentially going to be sued. Um, so it, it's it, it's a proper business. Yeah. Do they? Because I know America has a suing culture, but does do English culture? Does English culture have a suing culture? No, we just try very hard not to make mistakes. Yeah. 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 I mean, if I mean, I've never had a model just not show up. Right. Because that. Um, yeah, I've never had a model just not show up because they can't be bothered, and they certainly don't show up. These not show up these days because they've got hangovers you know it's just it's not acceptable right so it's a completely different era from the 60s where english boy where jose yeah. worked people regularly did not turn up yeah so that it that's it too much it's wouldn't happen no people standing in that studio waiting for the model to show up it, yeah. it's not it doesn't happen so very, very interesting. Photographer was probably out with the model the night before anyway, you know, it was sort of, and then they may or may not all go to work or, or not. So yeah, totally, totally different. Thank I, you, Karen. Bless you. Take care. <laughs> to do it again if, if there's more. That's okay. Very kind. Bless you. Take care. Lots of love. Bye. Bye. So that was Karen Diamond. 
director and owner of Model Swan, longest running model agency in, in the UK. And what an interesting, humble and lovely human being she is. And I feel very privileged to have had the time with her. How thoughtful she is, how caring she is and how nurturing she is. You can see why she's built such a successful business. She's very grounded, very thoughtful, and she's able to respond to the changes that keep coming as we grow, all of us, into a society that really takes on difference, diversity, intersectionality. So it was a really amazing interview for me, very interesting to discover how she's working and how it's working relationally for her with her clients, her models and her team. And um, so I hope it's left you with some interesting thoughts. So thank you for tuning in. Tune in for more shows and thank you so much.